When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On today's episode of The Door Report, we're joined by Brooks Webb. He is the general manager and chief of staff of Vanderbilt Baseball. He was kind enough to check in on a game day to discuss his role with the Vandy boys, the tough series loss in Oxford this past weekend, and the excitement surrounding a packed Hawkins field coming up this weekend against Kentucky. We've got all that and much more coming right up here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Let's ride. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome back into The Door Report. It is episode 85 on a Tuesday afternoon here in Nashville, Tennessee. It is May 18th, 2021, and we are, as always, presented by Alaco Finewood Floors. Will, we're back in better than ever. We were looking forward to a big weekend in Oxford and hopefully uh, looking forward to a Vanderbilt series victory, but they were unable to get it done in Oxford. Almost played really well. Credit to them. Uh, Sunday was uh, was the game that kind of put them in uh, as Vanderbilt gave up 10 runs in one inning. So, Tough weekend in Oxford, but uh, that was a good. That, Ole Miss is a good team. It's a good team, and and you know you can't put you can't blame the uh, the one thing too much on, on this Vandy team. I mean that they just, they lost to a good team. That's that's pretty much what happened. Yeah, we've been on the side of you know the SEC is unbelievably talented this year, and we were talking about right before we started recording this podcast. There are probably seven teams that yeah. you can look at and say this team has a shot at a national title this year. Half the conference does. So individual games aren't necessarily or individual series aren't necessarily concerning to me. But when you look at their last nine games and say they've lost five out of their last nine leading in leading into the last four games of the year, including Florida International today. I mean, this is this is the opposite of playing your best ball at the right time of the year. Yeah. And, you know, we will dive into what they have to do and as a team to to get better and, and you know, end up winning this weekend and then starting to play well, because this like you talked about, Will, this is a time of year where they do. But uh, we're, we're going to have to see uh, how this team ends up performing down the stretch here. And we'll we also will talk about the new lockers. Uh, we don't we don't have a new locker room yet, but we did find video um, release of the new lockers and we'll talk about those a little bit of a sneak peek on those and then Kalijah Lipscomb uh, was signed by the Titans it was a big opportunity for him Uh, he was brought in for the rookie minicamp and he ends up uh, getting the contract so congrats to Kalijah we'll touch on that obviously we will dive into the recap uh, against Ole Miss we'll touch a little bit on the Kentucky preview this weekend 100% capacity at the Hawk it's going to be a big weekend blackout on Thursday night. So uh, we will talk about that with Brooks Webb later in the podcast, the general manager and chief of staff of Vanderbilt Baseball. Stay tuned for that. But, Will, before we get to breaking news, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. 
Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, go give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. It's now time for breaking news. Today's breaking news is brought to you by the Recycling Dudes. You may ask, who are the Recycling Dudes? Well, they're brothers Graydon and Chapman and their dad. Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter living in Westmead. The Recycling Dudes recognize the need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at RecyclingDudes.com. All right, Will, new lockers. This was a video that was released a couple days ago. We put it on our Twitter, and the original video is actually on Twitter or on YouTube. I don't even, I'm not sure who released it and um, why, but we were able to get a first look at the, at the lockers. And well, I mean, it's pretty simple design. I, I think they're, it's a little bit different than what LSU did to theirs. I don't think it's as complex, but the technology and, and the modernization that they use is pretty impressive. And they go into detail on the full video. Um, but it, it, you know, it is what it is. And, and it's going to look a lot better in, in, in the locker room itself. Uh, but it, this is a start, and, and at least we got you know, a little bit of a sneak peek. Man, I'm really hoping it looks a, <laughs> a little bit better when it's all put together in the locker room. And I know there's all this technological advancement within the lockers, and they're, you know, they, they put up the picture of all the plugs that go in the back. I think it was Barton Simmons that I remember back in my day when you didn't need a bit, bunch of electrical outlets to put up lockers. But... <laughs> Man, that that video. You're not me, a fan of the recliner. It, it's a little odd that they would put out that video and you don't. It's all black, which I mean is fine. That's it's Vanderbilt. You're black and gold, but you can't really see any details of the locker. It they look kind of ugly and basic. If I'm being completely honest, is I'm the really lock, is the locker itself on the field or or is that CGI? Like was that I, I couldn't tell. Because they put a lot of, they led up to it, and they had all these like stats and numbers that they would lead into showing the locker. But it was something like, okay, is this like anime? Is this CGI or is this? Did they put the locker itself on the field? It's a very <laughs> odd video, and and if you haven't seen it, go check it out. We tweeted it about twenty three hours ago on the Doorport Twitter, and yeah, we'll put it's the whole kind link of just out. an odd intro video. You would think that they would want to wait for the grand opening of the locker room to kind of show them off or they would you know maybe want to put them in a more flattering light because as far as a promotional or marketing video that's not extremely impressive and i don't um, think i don't think this was under vanderbilt's permission um and you know because it was some it was someone's own personal youtube account that 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 posted this so um you know who knows if vanderbilt was in on this uh potentially you know they they don't care but it is what it is and and i'm with you will it's just kind of kind of odd you know i mean maybe maybe vanderbilt's cracking down on it right now um, yeah I'm, or, i mean i'm excited i'm excited for the full locker room now at least we can see progress being made and right. they've kept us kind of up to date even though it's been kind of little sneak peeks of things but i'll be looking forward to the actual reveal of the locker room because i'm sure it will look a hundred times better when they're all lined up and not just a random locker standing up in the end <laughs> zone not plugged in or surrounded by anything so very odd choice by whoever made that marketing video they did a hell of a job with the amount of editing and cgi they uh, utilized was, on, on vanderbilt's field and angles, but man it, it's that's an odd odd decision by whoever posted that on youtube <laughs> but it, it is nice to uh initial sneak peek of, of the lockers 
Yeah, we'll see. Uh, maybe there's a manhunt forever to put it, put that out on YouTube right now. But uh, we'll keep you guys updated again if we see anything else. Um, and again, the the room itself should be uh, released to the public and, and finished here in a couple weeks, maybe a few weeks. Uh, so that's something that exciting and looking and for the players to look forward to. Speaking of players, former players, former wide receiver Kalijah Lipscomb signed with the Tennessee Titans here in Nashville. He was brought in for the rookie minicamp over uh, this past weekend. And uh, he's a guy that's played on a couple teams. He was, he's kind of floated around the, the NFL last year and didn't, wasn't able to prove himself, um, you know, with the whole season on one team, but you know, who knows, he might get that and he, he and he might be able to stay, stick with the Tennessee Titans this season. They signed him a couple days ago and, and we don't know the details of his contract quite yet, but Will, it's a huge opportunity for the, for a guy that, um, is, is pretty high up there in the record book for Vanderbilt wide receivers. And he had quite a career. And I think we all kind of thought deep down this could potentially happen with him because he's a skilled guy. He just didn't quite, he wasn't quite able to put it all together uh, during his Vandy career. Yeah. The, if you would have told me the big three between Jared Pinkney, Kalaja Lipscomb and Keyshawn Vaughn would all be struggling to be on active rosters on NFL Sundays, I would have, I would have called BS but yeah, before that uh, 2019 year. So Obviously, Vaughn, it, Vaughn's is a lot more to do with the Buccaneers were making a Super Bowl run that was successful, so they brought in these other backs. I don't think they expected to when they drafted Keyshawn Vaughn that were just veteran backs that are ahead of him. Right. Um, and Pinckney and Lipscomb, they really shot themselves in the foot. The, the questions about them going into the NFL draft process were what was their ability to create separation from NFL defenders and, and their speed and quickness, and both of them are in really, really bad 40s. And both of them did not perform well in the cone drills or agility drills. So right there, that that's a huge red flag when it confirms these negative thoughts of NFL scouts and yeah, NFL teams. Because they both they both have the right body types. I mean, you look mm -hmm. at their Jared Pinkney's six six four, you know, two forty, great great size, and and he's got good yeah, hands. Yeah, one point, I mean, Pinkney was. Pinkney was thought potentially to be as high as a second, third round draft yeah. pick, or, or even higher. He dropped and his, all the way his, back. I mean, when you run a five oh forty, that's going to do it. <laughs> Um, when the questions going in have nothing to do with your hands, you're already not considered a great blocker. You're going to be a receiving tight end, and then you run a 5040. That's not going to do great things for you. But uh, good to see Collage in that two tone blue. And I think uh, the AFC South is becoming the uh, conference of the Vanderbilt Commodores. They're going to tell me about uh, it. Yeah, potentially guys on every single roster on the Titans alone. They've got Pinkney, Lipscomb, and Kari Blassengame. On, on the Texans, they've got Zach Cunningham, who led the AFC in tackles. Yep. Um, and you've got Trey Herndon on the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then Daiwo Dangbo drafted in the second round by the Indianapolis Colts. So uh, having, having three guys potentially on the Titans, and I think Lipscomb is in a really, really good spot, better than he's been in the past. I agree. The Titans desperately need help at receiver, and they actually waived – um, another receiver, uh, Rashard Davis, um, right. at the same time they signed Collagen to that one-year $660,000 deal. So he's got a good chance to at least make that practice squad, uh, maybe be elevated a couple weeks out of this season onto that active roster. Yeah, and I, he had to have shown uh, Coach Vrabel and the offensive staff some things because I don't know if you saw the videos. Jim White was posting it, uh, some video, some coverage of, of, of what he did during practice. And, you know, it looks like the same old Collagen, just really good feet and good hands, sure hands. And, and, you know, who knows, he could be turned into a guy kind of like Taewon Taylor, uh, who was a slot guy, possession receiver, didn't turn out, you know, a, as a terrific NFL player, but he was a guy that, you know, got some time and, and um, you know, showed some flashes. So who knows, Kalijah could be able to step into a role like that. 
because the Titans, they don't have a proven a slot receiver right now. Yeah, really also don't. also just touching on that as a huge Tennessee Titans fan, it's so funny to me, the Titans just completely ignoring all of their fans' gripes and signing in, in Collagio Lipscomb another possession receiver yeah. when every single and everybody... fan, fan base is desperately <laughs> wanting a burner or some type of speed guy. And they're like, how about you take this guy that – uh, has huge speed and separation issue questions. Let's just go ahead and sign that guy. I don't know if you saw a lot of the comments, but they were like, this guy sucked in, in the in the workout. And I was like, who? How many? I didn't know they let fans in. Like, how do you guys? It's like of the two videos, they saw him maybe drop a ball or two. They like, love the yeah, armchair quarterbacks. They always know better than these NFL scouts. They don't know uh, what they're yeah. doing. Vrabel doesn't know anything about scouting no. players. But, I mean, yeah, it, for Kalaja, congrats to him. And, and this is a guy that, you know, can – can I think he can do some things at the, at the NFL level and, and he will he'll he'll get a shot he'll get a shot likely um in in the you know training camp and then maybe even in the preseason so yeah Will you're touching on a lot of the AFC South this uh, this division of the Commodores and mm-hmm. for 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 Vandy fans who are also in Nashville why not why not go over to Nissan Stadium and see a lot of these guys play I mean this is uh if you're gonna twice you're gonna see him twice anywhere if you go on the road but you know they play him twice so um, yeah, it's gonna, definitely going to be a fun year for these Vandy players, and, and you're seeing more and more of them. Uh, and, and, you know, this is a lot of, of what Clark Lee is trying to hit on, the, the um, development of, of bringing guys to the NFL. So we'll try to keep up with Kalijah uh, moving in with the Titans. The Vandy boys, meanwhile, Will, uh, before we hop into our interview with Brooks Webb, the general manager over there with the Vandy boys, and I kinda, we got on our script here, is it time to panic? And this is something we've been talking about for I think the past three, four weeks because they have show, started to show um, some signs of, of weakness and concerns because a lot of times with this Van, these Vandy teams, well, we talked about it, they start playing well at the right time. They start playing well after exams and they get hot. But this year, Will, the bullpen has struggled, obviously, and the hitting has been inconsistent and not necessarily clutch when they needed it. And that's a lot different than the team a couple of years ago. That team was one of the more clutch teams in Vandy history. So when you look at it, Will, what, 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 what does this team have to do to get to a point where, as a Vandy fan, you're confident uh, of, of saying, yep, they're an Omaha team. They're, they're going to make it to Omaha. Uh, because we've said, yes, they're Omaha. They're an Omaha team. But who knows? A good pitcher comes in and a super and a good offense, hot offensive team, and they could be out like that. So um, I guess, you know, what, what do they have to fix? Uh, before they uh, they hop into the postseason? If, uh, man, I wish I had that answer. I don't think <laughs> there's anything they can do in this regular season, at least, that is going to boost my confidence back to where it was uh, at about the midseason mark. Probably not even, even past that midseason mark when they took two out of three from Tennessee. Uh, that probably was my peak level of confidence going into that Mississippi State series yeah. uh, next week. And that's when things have kind of taken a turn for the worse after that game one against Florida um, back at the end of April. So really they can do. The only thing this team has done consistently this season is be inconsistent. Um, and you always want play. You always want teams to be playing their best ball at the end of the year. You hear it all the time, and it's mostly talked about when it comes to the to NCAA. And teams will get hot at the end of the year, win 9 out of 10 at the end, win their conference tournament, and that's a team you don't want to play. Right. And Vanderbilt is doing the opposite of that right now. It doesn't seem like they can put it all together. It, they still don't have a third starter, a Sunday starter. Riley, I mean, at this he really, point, he really you have to look somewhere him. else. Outside of Maldonado, who, st- who didn't have his best pitching performances this weekend, there's really no consistency out of the bullpen. 
and it, it seems like and then there's no consistent hitting. I mean, they'll put up 13 runs um, after only being able to scrape by one run and losing three to one on a pitching performance from Rocker in that game one against right. Ole Miss that felt a lot worse than it was uh, just because, you know, you're not used to seeing him give up home runs and beer showers. And then the yeah, that you was know, Vanderbilt fun. was unable to push across more than one run, and you're not going to win many games with, with one run on that scoreboard. So I'm looking at pitching, looking at, timely hitting and not leaving guys on base but this sec tournament i think is going to be a really really important tune-up for for uh the vandy boys and tim corbin alike. that's you're exactly you hit right on it will and it comes at a good time because i think these past couple weeks uh as a vanderbilt fan it's it's been something that you know you, you keep waiting on this team to put a, put a full series together put a full game together but you talked about it. They just haven't quite been able to do that uh, from the pitching staff and, and you know, from, from offensively. Like, they, they cannot stay consistent. Carter Young, you know, is, is kind of a good point. He, he's got almost 70 strikeouts on the year, but he also has 15 home runs. So he's a guy where, you know, as a pitcher, you're like, okay, I, need, I, I know what to do here. He's either going to strike out or, or hit a home run. I mean, technically, uh, from, from the stats. But the thing about it, Will, is, is – Going through this this team, it's, it, it, you just can't really rely on on, on, on many players. I mean, Rocker uh, is a guy you can you can hopefully rely on, and and but the offense was not able to to, to back him up like you talked about Friday. Uh, but Leiter came back Saturday and pitched really well. So consistency is key, but also will game three. I mean that that that's been all year. <laughs> it's been all year for for finding a guy. Patrick Riley we thought was the guy for a second. Christian Little tried it out. Uh, Chris McIlvain tried it out. I don't know what it is with that game three, but they, they need to solve that that jinx or whatever they have on them because if they can't get that game three guy solved, they they will not. I don't I don't think they ha- they will not go. They will not even might not even make it to Omaha. You know, because because if you don't in a super, you get to a game three and you're in shambles and you don't have any arms left, it's going to come back to bite you. So um, for this team, will I'm not necessarily going to start panicking. Um, cause I'm not, I will never bet against Tim Corbin in the postseason. He seems like every year when we've doubted his teams, he's been able to bring a team together and figure out ways to win. Um, yeah, which is so, why we've been super hesitant to say anything besides, you know, just, just it's one game, right. it's one series because we've seen it happen in the past where we've overreacted, right. um, the fan base in general overreacts. And I, and I get that feeling overall from the Vanderbilt fan base, just looking at Twitter is right it's kind of impressive seeing a team kind of have this slide, you know, losing five out of nine as a top three team in the country. And your entire fan base is just like, okay, well, let's just wait. Let's just wait and see. And we're starting to hear the rumblings of a little bit of panic starting to creep into the minds of Vanderbilt fans, unfortunately and justifiably. You talk about cautiously, cautiously optimistic. I think Vandy fans are cautiously pessimistic. There we go. You know, they're, they're not, (laughs) they're not necessarily all negative and this team sucks and, and, they're a number two team in the nation. Like they have the best dy- one-two punch in college baseball history. And, and they will bring that to the postseason. And knowing rocker as a veteran guy, you know, I, I wouldn't want to pitch any other guy on game one. And then you got lighter who's been through a lot this year. And he, and a lot of these guys have learned, but will, I think it's going to come down to how much have this, has this group learned and, and how much of the fibers as Tim Corbin talks about a lot, have they developed and, and are they able to bring, bring a, you know, unite them together and, and, uh, you know, end up going to Omaha. So again, I think they're, they're, they're likely to be at home until Omaha, you know, unless there's an upset that happens and 
um, but they're likely to host a regional and a super regional. So um, in that regard, you know, I, I'm, I'm confident in this team, but again, anything can happen in college baseball. We've talked about it um, a lot, but we'll, Real quick here, before we get to Brooks Webb, there's a race going on in the SEC East. And who would have thought before this year that Tennessee would have a one-game lead on Vandy uh, heading into the final weekend series? It's going to be fun, Will. It's going to be fun to see. I mean, Tennessee's at South Carolina. Vandy, obviously, at home against Kentucky. They have the upper hand there. But Tennessee has the upper hand going into the weekend uh, because of that. Uh, that w- they played one more game the Vanderbilt, but Vandy also had beat them in a series. So, you know, the advantage is to Tennessee right now because they have the one game lead, but Vanderbilt already beat them in a series. So, um, you know, well, it, it should be fun to see if, if Vandy can, can snag that top seed in the East. Yeah. Unfortunately, because of that Alabama game cancellation, which I already feel bad about because we gave away tickets to that game and it got canceled in the second <laughs> inning. Uh, that, that's but... just turning into a disaster. Everything, <laughs> yeah. everything, everything that day represents. Yeah. And so Tennessee's actually got a half game lead on Vanderbilt right now. So there's no ability for them to tie because Vanderbilt's going to only play 29 games and Tennessee will have a 30 game is 30 games. So Vanderbilt's going to have to gain a full game on Tennessee this weekend to finish first in the SEC East. So that tie break actually does nothing for them. This is all assuming that Tennessee doesn't have a game canceled this weekend or right. Vanderbilt doesn't have a game canceled this weekend. But how about we, how about it, we just get Alabama in here Wednesday night and, and play game three? Yeah. Let's, let's go ahead and get it done. I mean, let's, let's do it, but that's the easy it, way out. Yeah. Vanderbilt's definitely got the, the better matchup playing against Kentucky. Who's 11 and right. 16 in conference. Um, Tennessee's got a tough matchup with them coming with South Carolina coming in. So keep an eye on that one. You're going to have to have Tennessee drop at least one um, in order right. to give Vanderbilt an opportunity to finish first in the sec East. But uh, I, I'm not too concerned about the SEC tournament seeding. I'm not too concerned about the SEC tournament in general. I get it. Right. I, I had a, I had a buddy growing up, my best friend growing up. He's a huge Kentucky basketball fan, huge Kentucky sports fan in general. Right. He's from there. So he's not a bandwagon. <laughs> and when Vanderbilt beat Kentucky in the SEC tournament in 2012, right. he said yeah. he, he was obviously trying to act like he wasn't upset, but he said something along the lines of, we don't care. And I didn't get that at the time. And I still, you know, I still care that I want them to win the SEC tournament. But I get it because winning an SEC tournament and getting knocked out in the Super Regionals, it's still a disappointment of a year. It doesn't benefit you at all. So it's a nice little notch on, on, on in your trophy case, but it's not something that's the goal going into the year. And it's not going to define the season, whether or not they, you know, win the SEC East, whether or not they, advance in the SEC tournament it's it's a warm-up for the real thing which right. is the college baseball world series in Omaha which hopefully they'll be making it too hopefully and uh, you know hopefully we might be able to find our way up there but will this is Hoover in the SEC tournament is something Vanderbilt has not usually had success in uh, especially as a baseball team they won the obviously they won the championship uh, a couple of years ago so not bad but they had yeah, a lot of hardware not, <laughs> a lot of hardware there but leading up to that a couple of years ago they, they really did they didn't have a, a, a ton of success in that tournament but who knows how much of an impact you know what they do in hoover will have in the postseason in their and their chances in omaha so uh, again we'll we can we will continue to uh, keep track of that but will coming right up we got brooks webb the general manager and chief of staff of vanderbilt baseball this is going to be really fun to kind of dive into 
We talked about the social media presence with Mitch Light a little bit. We're going to dive more into it with Brooks Webb, but also preview the 100% capacity at Hawkins Field this weekend, which is going to be fun and a lot of things they got going on. So, so uh, you know, this should be fun and, and, you know, being able to check in with Brooks Webb for the first time, it should be a blast. Yeah, unfortunately, I won't be able to join that interview, but I, I will be at Hawkins Field this weekend for at least one of the games. So I, yes. I will be out there supporting. And we didn't run through the schedule, Billy, uh, for this weekend. So I'll go ahead and do that here. Oh, here we you go. Al- you always run dare. through it. You're always on top of it. Will, you let, I'm going to let you run through it here. There Let's we go. go. <laughs> Give me the honor. Um, so tonight, of course, Florida International. It's at 630 Central on SEC yep. Network Plus. Actually, all of these remaining games are on SEC Network Plus. Um, including the weekend series against Kentucky, unfortunately. So Thursday, actually a Thursday game. So we always say Sunday starter for the third game, but that's not the case this weekend. Uh, Thursday, May 20th at 6.30 on SEC Network Plus. Uh, Friday at 6.30 as well on SEC Network Plus. And then Saturday is at 2 p.m. Central on you guessed it, SEC, SEC Network, Network Plus. Plus. Be sure maybe. if you can't make it out, at least tune into those games because this is going to be a defining moment yep. um, in the SEC standings. And keep an eye tuned into the Tennessee-South Carolina series as well. No doubt. And that I think a couple of theirs will be on the SEC Network. That'll be 100% capacity over at Founders Park in South Carolina. So another fun weekend of SEC baseball. Brooks Webb coming right up. Wish you could be there, Will. Um, send me your questions. And, uh, you know, we'll get you there in spirit. Uh, we'll, we'll honor you in that one. So uh, we got Brooks Webb coming right up here on The Door Report, powered by Laco Fine Wood Floors. Before we get to the interview with Brooks Webb, the general manager and chief of staff of the Vandy Boys, it's now time to send it over to Gary Scales for a few words on our presenting sponsor, Alaco Fine Wood Floors. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. Welcome back into the Door Report. I'm Billy Derrick. Unfortunately, Will Byron unable to join us here for this portion of the podcast, but we have a very special guest on the pod, Brooks Webb, the general manager and chief of staff of Vanderbilt Baseball. This guy does it all. We've been waiting to get him on here and and talk all things Vandy boys, and and here he is with us. He he does a lot of stuff. We'll talk. We'll kind of dive into his role with Vanderbilt Baseball. He helps manage the general branding and and messaging of of the Vandy boys program and student athlete experience, including the creation of VandyBoys.com, as well as facility projects, fan engagement enhancements. So we'll dive into it all here with Brooks Webb. Brooks, thank you so much for taking the time first off. Um, but how, how's, how's this season been kind of getting back to normal? And, and just how, how excited are you to, to, to get back to normal this weekend? Well, Billy, first off, I appreciate you, you having me on. And uh, I know Will couldn't be here today, but I'm really uh, appreciative of what you guys do covering uh, Vanderbilt and certainly our program. So thanks for that, um, for starters. But um, it's been, um, you know, the season just to get back to some semblance of normalcy has been great, right? So when we got the news um, that the semester was going to go off, you know, as normal and, and kids were going to be able to come back to campus and that we were going to have a fall and all of those things, it's crazy to think that now we're entering the last weekend of SEC regular season play. So as quickly as it's gone, I think those are the things you look back and you just really try to value time that you have with, with your staff and with the players and with the people that are around you, because it's just gone so quickly. 
Um, but obviously, um, this is the most fun time of year. Weather's starting to turn. It's going to be full capacity this weekend. So we're just hopeful that um, we can keep getting better and just enjoy each other's company. Um, you know, no matter how long we play, I think that's um, that's what you strive to do once you get to kind of May and, and June baseball. Yeah, this is the time of year, man, for a Vandy fan and, and college baseball fans across the country that you really just love sitting down watching the games. We'll talk about uh, the, you know, what what's going on with Vanderbilt a little bit later, but I want to talk about you and your role uh, with Vanderbilt baseball. And you, you know, you've been here. You're starting to kind of get comfortable with, you know, with with your surroundings and and you know what what you've been able to do at Vanderbilt. It's been impressive and the, the, the Vandy boys brand the way that's been able to grow is, is as a Vanderbilt fan and person that's followed the program has been nothing short of of, of terrific and, and nothing else to describe it so how would you describe exactly what you do uh, for the Vandy boys just you know the the, the role you have and, and and how important your role is uh, to, to t- Tim Corbin and this team well those are all really nice things for, for you to say um, I don't like to <laughs> to talk about me, I, I would rather, I would certainly rather not. I mean, I think the bigger, <laughs> you know, the bigger thing when it comes to our program is just that there are so many people and chapters that like make up this book, right. That make up the Vanderbilt baseball or the Vandy boys book. And yes, it has developed into a brand. And I really think, you know, in the last you know, four or five years, it has, it has certainly taken off as we've kind of adopted that as our mark and, and kind of, you know, what we, are identified by in many ways. And I think that's cool because I think that's unique amongst college athletics. I don't think there are really many programs that, you know, have a, a logo that, you know, ultimately they kind of rally around, but it's so much more than a logo. I think what it means to us internally and the definition that, that Corbs has kind of, you know, written for what it means to be a Vandy boy um, is, is special and unique to our group. And I think it's something that our guys take to heart. Now, is it something where they're running around calling themselves Vandy boys all the time? No, it's not that, but it is more of an identity um, for them. And, and certainly something that I think our fans can, can rally around. And, you know, as far as my role, it's evolved a lot over time um, really since I got here in the fall of 2016, Billy, but I'm lucky because I, I have a lot of, a lot of people around me that, that really care a lot about our kids. And I think that's what it comes down to. I I think I'm a very uh, competitive individual. I think you have to be, to be successful in college athletics, but specifically in this building, if you want to work for Vanderbilt baseball, I think, you know, competitiveness and and drive and details, those are at the, those are at front and center. And if you can't really dial in on those things. I don't think you'll have a lot of success here as a staff member or as a player because we've got the best leader in, in Tim Corbin to, in my opinion, to ever do it in all of college athletics. So um, we're lucky. Uh, we're lucky that we have the resources that we do and the people that we do because you can't have success without having the right pieces to the puzzle. And I think when it gets down to when you mentioned the brand and the growth of the brand and the things we've been able to do, you've got to have investment and buy-in from a lot of other people as well. And I think with our communication staff, our social media staff, and there's too many people to name, and we've had some turnover in those areas um, really since, you know, Vandy boys kind of became a thing, you know, way back, um, I think 2011, when one of the players came up with, or might've even been a few years before that kind of came up with that name, but as it's developed over time into a mark and into a brand, there's been a lot of folks who have, um, helped write the words to those chapters that ultimately kind of make up um, 
you know, make up our stories. So um, that's been a lot of fun to watch and kind of have a front seat to, and at times kind of hold the steering wheel with and, and hit the gas pedal when we need to and, and let off as well um, when we need to do that too. So um, it's, um, it's something I don't take for granted. I'll tell you that. Um, I don't get, you mentioned the word comfortable. I don't, I'm not, I'm not comfortable any day. You don't um, get comfortable. I, I don't get comfortable. Um, you know, Forbes, Forbes told me one time, you know, a few years ago, he said something, something to the effect of, you know, he approaches every single day, like someone's trying to take his chair. And, you know, for somebody who's been doing this for 19 years to come in with the same energy level, not even the same energy level off, he finds a way to have a higher energy level every day than what he did the day before. And he, you know, you know, there's plenty of people that have been in his situation that can get comfortable. So if the person who's leading your program isn't comfortable, you don't find yourself getting comfortable at any time. You obviously, um, you get used to the people around you. And I think you get comfort in a sense of the harmony. Like we talk all the time, we have great harmony amongst our group, but our staff loves each other. We hang out with each other's families. I mean, we've got a very nice thing when it comes to that, but as far as comfortable in a sense of things are just going to take care of themselves or we're just going to have success that doesn't really cross our minds and certainly doesn't cross my mind when it comes to the areas we want to stay competitive in, like how we, improve the student athlete experience, do things to make our, um, the lives of our, you know, our kids better on and off the field and certainly uh, growing areas that, you know, either uh, can help the fan base grow to make our game environment better, or or certainly in the communications and marketing piece as well, because I think you can apply that same level of competitiveness in those areas as we do on the field. Right. Now, you, you talked about how as a player that came up with the name. Was that one player or was that a group of guys? And, and do you remember exactly, you know, how it started and, and how it was it was received? You know, was it something, oh, you know, this is going to stick or was it kind of slower uh, developing? Yeah, that was before my time, um, Billy. Right. But I know that um, I think Adam Spark wrote an article on it. Um, and Adam's done such a good job of just covering Vanderbilt for a long time and mm-hmm. uh, and and really helping, you know, grow our program too with his reach, but um, he wrote a story on it a few years ago, just kind of on um, the inception of it. I think it was Mark Lamb, who was a reliever here okay. and, um, and was, was actually a very good pitcher, uh, was drafted by the Braves. He lives here locally now. Um, I actually played against Mark when, when I played at Birmingham Southern. We wow. faced each other, uh, shared a bus actually, and played against each other in the American Legion Southeast regional world series or something like that he would play for the columbia tennessee team and i played for the uh tuscaloosa team but um just a side note about mark because i knew him well before i ever knew i'd be at vanderbilt but i think mark and and maybe a couple other guys on that on that club kind of came up with it and started referring to themselves as that and then over time they started using it as a hashtag and then over time i think the team adopted it and corbs has said before when, when he first heard about it and saw it he didn't love it And then really after, you know, after Donnie passed in 2016, um, it's something that I think more or less he really started to understand kind of what it actually meant. And then it had a deeper, um, it had a deeper meaning than just being a logo or a hashtag. It was, uh, like I mentioned earlier, it was an identity. It was something to model. It was something to pass down and it was something to kind of live by. And, um, you know, to some people that might sound silly, but for us, and I think for our guys and for our staff, we just try to, to own that and, and uphold, you know, certainly if players before 
um, who were more foundational in nature that had success in their own right, but certainly allowed us to get to where we are today. If it's something they came up with and our guys like it and our fans are attached to it, then you know, I think we have an obligation to continue to push it forward in the right way. Yeah, I think you and a lot of other people would agree that uh, the Vandy Boys term terminology and, and what it means wouldn't be possible without the alumni. And you just talked about it. Mark Lamb, a, a guy from 2011, came up with it. And, and Sonny Gray and, and David Price, I could go on and on about how these guys have also latched on to, to this name. And, and it's become, you talked about it, the identity. So how important are those alumni, you know, playing in the pros right now, even in the minors? And what are some of the things you guys are doing with them in, in terms of helping you know, everyone grow, you know, helping this brand grow and some of the initiatives, I guess you guys are trying to um, implement with a lot of these guys. Well, I mean, I just think it gets back to relationships. We, we want those guys to always feel like this is their, not just their second home, but this is their home. You know, a lot of them aren't from Nashville and when their time here at Vanderbilt is done, whether that's after they get drafted or, or graduate, many of them choose to stay here. And I think that's very, unique and very cool in a sense that it's it's like the yearbook never closes and i think having an alumni pro locker room where they can come back and and train and have access to the facilities that's something we've done for a long time and something coach corbin was really passionate about way before we had the facility we sit in today where he wanted them to be able to to see this as an extension of their development when they were done developing you know, as a Vanderbilt baseball player, they still had the opportunity to come back here and be a part of this environment. And um, that is, uh, I think that's one of the coolest things about, about our programs. And mm-hmm. in the off season, we'll have 20 to 30, you know, professional guys that are back here in the weight room every day, in the cages, down in the pitching lab. And um, it's not like they're interacting with our current guys every day, but there's enough interaction and enough vision where you can see okay, this is different. Like these guys, how they operate, how they work, there's a reason why they're at that level. And again, back to something that coach Corbin says all the time about modeling behaviors and just how you see work ethic and how you carry yourself, how you, um, you know, how you speak to other human beings, just things that get passed down as you continue to gain life experience. I think those are all really important things that are guys that do go out in the professional world and, and professional baseball specifically, they're great representatives of this program because of all those lessons that I hope they learned here, but also they continue to get better with maturity and with age. And uh, that's, uh, that's a cool thing for our, our players and our staff to see and, and look up to and, and admire because the story in professional baseball, I think is the, is probably the deepest and most unique amongst any college program in the country, because you've got guys that have experienced success for a long time, like a David Price. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, you know, players that are on the cusp of the big leagues um, and first round draft picks like JJ Bleday and Austin Martin, who are more recent. And then it's not like you can pick a top in it. Like if you're in the big leagues, like that's the, that's the cream of the crop, right? So it's not like even the ones who are up there that aren't everyday players like a Walker Bueller or Dansby Swanson, you know, yeah, it took him yeah. longer to get to the big leagues than most. He was one of the best players in all of baseball last year. Mm-hmm. Kirk Castelli's been, an excellent defensive catcher for a long period of time in the big leagues. And the list goes on and on where most places, you know, can only talk about a handful of guys. Right. I think that speaks to the depth of this program and, and hopefully what it sets these guys up for, no matter where they're drafted, that they have a really strong foundation that can help them 
you know, achieve their goals professionally once they leave here. Boy, I could sit here and pick your brain all day about, you know, the, the Vandy boys and the bigs and, and, you know, everything that, that goes into that, but there is a season going on and, and Vanderbilt ended up losing uh, this past weekend in Oxford and, and obviously just a tremendous atmosphere from my point of view, that was the best atmosphere of the season for this team to be able to play in. And, and it was fun to watch. Uh, Friday night w- was awesome. Saturday was obviously an offensive display. Um, Sunday, you, the team battled. So I guess what I'm asking here, what did you learn uh, at, from this group after the weekend? Uh, because they're going to see a lot more of that, you know, in Hoover, and, and they're going to see more of that uh, in the postseason. So uh, what do you think you personally, and, and you know, Corbs obviously in the staff, what, what do you think you guys learned this past weekend? I mean, I don't know if we necessarily learned anything new, Billy. I think for me, it's been evident all year. This is a group, and you kind of mentioned it, battle, but this is a group that will really fight no matter how far behind they are, they play with an emotion and an energy that you just can't teach. You just have to have it. And that allows them to be able to come back from any deficit. And, and you saw that on Sunday after giving up that 10 run inning, which wasn't fun, but it was re- it was really encouraging to watch them continue to fight. It'd be easy to lay down right there and say, well, we just gave up 10 games over. That's not this group. And it won't be this group. It doesn't guarantee you victory, but they're going to fight. Um, so as far as, you know, things that you may have learned, I mean, that was that was good for it to just be reaffirmed to us because this is a, a mentally tough group. Uh, our coaching staff, man, they're the best. I mean, obviously it starts with Corbs and Bax does such a tremendous job with our hitters. Macias, such a good job with our catchers and, and some of the offensive stuff and base running and then Brownie with our pitching staff. Those guys, I can't say enough good things about them and how they help a, a really young group. Yeah. Um, grow every single day so the weekend was disappointing no question from a win-loss perspective like that sucks we, we never want to lose a series but I thought it was a step in the right direction when it comes to growth and I think the biggest takeaway and you, and you referenced it was getting the opportunity to play in a full capacity environment for really what I would say is the first time all year because it provided pressure-packed innings, uh, moments that you can't replicate when there's 30 40% people in the crowd or people in the stands. And that's what any situation we're going to step into uh, moving forward will likely be. And we were fortunate. We got to go to Stillwater and play in front of a pretty full house in, in, at Oklahoma State during non-conference play. But most SEC stadiums have been at a limited capacity all year. So this was the first opportunity to really get to experience an SEC environment like that, which was, was a lot of fun for our group because they just haven't gotten to do it. So if you think about, you know, if you think about it, Billy, players like Carter Young and, and Dominic Keegan that hit in the middle of the order and are, are having really good success, they have no experience in those type of 10 to 12,000 fan SEC environments. And you can pinpoint that across our entire lineup. They haven't seen what they saw this weekend. Not that, it, you know, it's a great environment to play in, but at, a, at full capacity, all SEC stadiums are tough and fun to play in. So it's hard to say that this one was any more difficult than than others. It was just the first one that's been like that. So, you know, this is still, and, and Corbs has said it a lot, this is still a very young team. And that's hard to believe, but they're accumulating a lot of firsts for, you know, for many of these guys, even though they're looked at as some of the more experienced guys on the team. So that's in no way an excuse. They have to get the experience as they go. And this is the hand that they've been dealt. But when you're thinking about guys who have never stepped into, um, into an environment like that, that was a benefit. So if there's anything you learned, it would just be accumulating more experience that they can kind of put in the back of their heads 
And what you have to do is have those type of experiences to lean back on because the climb these next couple of weeks, it just gets steeper and steeper and steeper. And, and you've got to be able to kind of have that mental bank that you can look back on, lean back on with your training and, and certainly the competition and the game moments that, that got you to this point. Yeah, and a guy that has seen it is Kumar Rocker, who, you know, pitched really well Friday night. Um, I think Corpse talked about it last night in, in the Commodore Hour. He just said the, the, their runs were more valuable. They had a man on base and, and um, gave, up, gave up a home run. So what, what did you see in that pitching battle, and, and specifically Doug Nikhazy from Ole Miss, because Vanderbilt is, is going to be seeing more guys like that. Um, and to see a guy like that, you know, like you talked about, the experience is great against him. Uh, but it was quite the pitching duel. And what did you see from Nikhazy, but even Rocker also, just the way they, they kind of went at it? Well, I think, you know, what you just said that, you know, how Corbs kind of summed it up is that they're, you know, their mistakes um, didn't cost them and, and our mistakes did. Now, when right. you're talking about mistakes, they were very few. And that's what you're going to get when you have, you know, two aces like Doug Nikhazy and Kamar Rocker that face off against one another. They may make one or two mistakes a game. And if you don't find a way to punish those, you might not get another chance to do it. So mm-hmm. Doug's really good. And he's had a tremendous career in Oxford. Uh, you knew what you were going to get when he took the mound. He's somebody that knows how to decelerate uh, decelerate the baseball he can mix his pitches as, as anybody in the country and he did a really good job of not falling in any patterns he, he located every pitch where he wanted and not only could he put the fastball up and down he was able to go out and in and you can command that pitch anywhere you want it, it opens up everything else for you because his breaking ball is really good he can kind of manipulate the depth of that thing and that was a solid pitch for him and he used it to, to get ahead of hitters but he also put them away with it so he had everything working and, and, you know, that was a series that, you know, as you, as you kind of alluded to earlier, it was a fun environment to, to be in. And, and I think probably locked up a hosting spot for, for Ole Miss. So they, yeah. they were definitely motivated to play. Not that, you know, our group is motivated too, because we just, you know, we, we enjoyed playing in those environments, but for them watching him step up, you, you knew what you were going to get. Like that wasn't a surprise. Um, with rocker, he, he was outstanding, man. I tell you, like, it's kind of unfair the expectations that you know people want to put on you know whether it's him or jack it's like the guy gave up three runs and he really was at three hits going into the seventh inning one of which was a bunt single to a guy who hit the home run earlier mm-hmm. the other two were fastballs where he fell behind in the count and they were up in the zone and and they uh hit the ball out of the yard if the pitch is two inches higher or a little further out could be a pop-up could be a strikeout but it wasn't they ended up being home runs and that's the point in a game where you made really two bad pitches, those are a lot of times, you know, you do that, you expect to win those kind of games, but that was the best offense in the league. We know how tough the SEC is week to week. And I think, you know, when you make mistakes, um, you know, good teams are going to take advantage of it. But, you know, again, he pitched really well. I thought how he located his off speed, the cutter, the slider, the changeup might be as good as it's been all year. So, there's a lot of things he can take away from that that are that are really good and I don't think there are many bad things other than the loss that that you can take away from it um just two good hitters who you know made him pay and when you face arms like him and the Casey as I mentioned earlier when you get a mistake pitch you have to make them pay right then and there because if you don't it, it might be the only chances that you get so you have to give Ole Miss a lot of credit for those two pitches they you know they did and um that ended up being the difference in the game yeah, and after Friday night, team heads into Saturday with a little bit of pressure. And, and you know, it was it was really interesting heading into Saturday to see how this group was going to respond, especially offensively, 
but also Jack Leiter after the break last weekend, just really looking forward to seeing what he was able to bring. And he brought it, he brought the heat and, and it was fun to see. So for Jack, from Jack's point of view, how impressed were you with his ability to bounce back? And then, yeah, you know, he was struggling a little bit, took, took a break and, and he, he, he was able to bring it against a good team on the road. So, so what did you see from him in particular in the offense? I mean, we tweeted out uh, after Carter Young's oppo taco, this is getting ridiculous. So it, it was, um, you know, the, the bats are flying around, especially on Saturday. So um, in terms of offensively, what did you see? And then from lighter, how impressed were you with him? Well, run support wasn't, wasn't lacking for Jack <laughs> on, on Saturday. So I'm sure he appreciated that, but um, you know, that's how the game goes sometimes, you know, just as easily we could have scored 13 runs on Friday and, and rocker could have won 13 to three. So, you know, that's just how, that's just how the game goes sometimes. Yeah. Jack was really good on Saturday. Uh, I don't, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to tell you that. I mean, look at the stat line and don't even watch a video and you're gonna say that guy pitched well. Um, the fastball was explosive. I thought it got better as the game went along. The biggest thing was his demeanor was excellent. You mentioned he took a week off, which is true. Um, and I'm sure for him, you know, he, he wanted a pitch and, and he got a chance to, to come back um, against Ole Miss and just his mindset. I think his work that went in over the course of the week, um, you know, put him in a position to succeed as he's done most of the year. Every time it seemed like he allowed a guy on base, he had a couple of leadoff base runners. He got himself locked right back in, got back into the count, grabbed, you know, an 0-1 or, or found a way to just not fall behind the next guy. And the way he was able to get, I would say, swing and miss, but also land his breaking ball was a big step forward because um, you got to really see another glimpse at that next level he can take himself to. Because even in his ridiculous, you know, no hit stretch, he would tell you, I think he said it to the media, like he didn't really have his breaking ball. <laughs> he could throw it in counts um, where he wanted to or where he needed to. It was right. more fastball reliant. And when you face good teams, they're going to, they're going to hit, you know, fastballs that are, are misses, as we alluded to earlier, especially as you get toward the back half of the season and guys are still trying to figure out the ebbs and flows. So to tap into that like he did, um, but also have the fastball that was still reaching 97 miles an hour. Um, you're not going to find many guys like him that can, that can do that. So a good, uh, if you want to call it a bounce back, I guess you, you can, but at the same time, like that's what he expects from himself. Um, so I think he would just tell you it was another, uh, you know, just another start. And uh, he did, like I said, didn't disappoint. No, no, he did not. And, and another guy that you can kind of compare him to, and, you know, we love to compare players to, to former Commodores who came through here, but Carson Fulmer is a guy that comes to mind, just, you know, bulldog mentality, really humming it in there with a, with a dirty curveball as well. But for you, Brooks, have you ever seen a guy at lighter's age to have that much jump on a fastball? Because looking at, at his arm slot and, and, you know, the mechanics he has, it's almost like the fastball really sneaks up on a lot of hitters. Have you ever seen that before at this level? Um, the way the way he, you know, the, the just the way he looks pitching the ball. Because yes, you know, we've seen ninety five, ninety six, but uh, just kind of the way it jumps on guys. Yeah, I mean, I just I think the way it comes out of his hand and and the angle and the spin and all of the analytical things that go into it. Yeah, it makes his fastball, you know, probably play even hotter, which is hard to hard to do when you already throw that hard. It, it probably plays even harder than it is. I haven't seen a lot of guys that can, you know, rely on that pitch as much as he has. Cause you're right. Like all, you know, velocity is not equal. You know, 97 is not 97 if it's flat versus if it has arm side run, right. or 
or it has some, you know, some spin that makes it appear to, to rise in, in a sense. So um, no, probably not. I think there's guys that are capable of, of doing that. And we've got some guys that, you know, Hugh Fisher, you know, he's a guy that I think when his fastball's on, I mean, he can be mid nineties with just a ridiculous amount of life. And you watch some of these guys in the big leagues and they're throwing hundred miles per hour. The balls are left turn and right turn. That I just don't know how any finds a way to square it up, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Jack's fastball, I think is what, um, is the separator for him and, and rocker too, when his fastball's on and he can locate it, um, not only when it gets up into the kind of the mid upper nineties, but also when it's a little bit less than that, because he's trying to get more life on it. Um, those are fastballs that, um, you know, many ways they're, they're special and, and they're, they're worked on and that's why they, they are so effective. Brooks, for this team right now, obviously one more weekend series at home at the Hawk, and then we'll head into Hoover, and then you got the postseason. Um, what would you say has to happen for this team? And I know, you know, it's kind of a practical question, but in terms of kind of reaching um, a goal or, and, and achieving a goal, um, what, what has to happen for this team to, you know, to – to ha- have have confidence and 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 have the confidence of the fans because fans are confident right now they, they trust Corbs and 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 but they know this team is young so so from your point of view what what is there something that has to happen and you have to see from this group or, or is it just kind of we got to execute we got to go out there and, and and do what we can do I mean I really you know not to be too coach speak on you Billy but at the end of the day like we don't really think about goals or what's next or necessarily where we want to get. I mean, everybody knows kind of what it takes to get to the end and have success. Um, These next few weeks are so fun yet, yet so difficult at the same time. It really is going to come down to how you handle the days in between the games and then how you can use these remaining competition segments to gain some momentum as you get into the SEC tournament and you get into regionals. Um, and, and to enjoy it while you're doing it, because this is a game, right? It's fun. And no matter how it ends, it goes incredibly fast. And to make it to June in college baseball, it's very tough. Only a few teams get to do it. And once you're there, anyone can do anything, no matter how talented your team is. So to even get to that point, it takes a really mature group, very disciplined group, and you have to be playing your best baseball at the right time. And you've seen that happen with Vanderbilt teams in the past that, found a way to play their best baseball at the very end, some that were very consistent all the way through, and then some that, that weren't. So you just have to get yourself there. And I think when I mentioned taking care of the days, you know, in between the games, the work that you put in on the field and, and taking and off the field, taking care of your body and the recovery to put yourself in that position to be, um, you know, feeling your best towards the end of the season, that's not easy. And those are usually the separators, I think, for the teams that, really know how to handle their business once classes end and they really are just focused on focused on their team and the decisions they make off the field um you know those are the teams that will have a lot of success in june real quick here brooks uh, obviously you got kentucky this weekend uh, fiu tonight 6 30 at the hawk the, the promotions are are are, are going to be really fun for these fans obviously got a tony kent bobblehead uh, giveaway on on saturday and it starts on a thursday night with game one with the blackout at the hawk a lot of people obviously excited. Um, again, we talked about it at the beginning, but what does this mean for the guys? How excited are they? And, and, and what kind of a, an atmosphere do you expect at the Hawk? Because we haven't seen a 100% capacity this season. So um, uh, how, I guess how confident are you that, uh, that the Vandy fans are going to, are going to be loud uh, throughout this weekend series? 
I couldn't be more excited about it. It's been a long time coming, and I know there's been a lot of frustration for people along the way for, for us too and for our team. Um, but this weekend is a great way to not only wrap up the regular season, but you get a chance to, to honor some really special seniors and also welcome a tough Kentucky team. Um, and then you mentioned the giveaways and the blackout and all the, all the things that we haven't gotten to do all year. So that's exciting uh, for a lot of reasons been waiting to give that Tony Kemp bobblehead away for a long time. <laughs> yeah, we've been waiting on it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool when it, it's uh it's of his uh like the catch he made, the diving catch he made in the left field. Oh man. Uh, not your standard bobblehead. So it's pretty cool. But um, you know, I think the biggest thing honestly is just you know, feeling that sense of normalcy in a year that's felt anything but normal. You know, you go to Alec Box Stadium in LSU and it's half full and it just doesn't feel you're, you're glad you're playing, but it doesn't feel like what you're used to, to it feeling like. Mm -hmm. um, and these kids deserve that, man. They've, they've been through, everybody's been through a lot, but they've been through a lot. A lot has been asked of them when it's come to um, the protocols and testing and all the things that um, we all signed up for when we said, yeah, we want to we want to push this thing forward. But it hadn't been easy for any team across the country. So I think for any school that's getting to play in front of 100% capacity, um, that's well-deserved. But it's also deserved for the fans because they've they've had it taken away from them, too. So really, um, it's been since what, June of 2019, since we got yeah. to experience the Hawk at full capacity. That's crazy to think about. Um, I know our fans will be excited. And you think about this, too, man, like many of our players, they've never seen Hawkins Field as the environment that we all know and love when it's right. at its best. So it'll be a special weekend um, because it'll be a, a first for a lot of these kids like Jack Leiter, the biggest crowd he's probably seen at Hawkins field was when he pitched in the, um, the fall game against Michigan when the infields infield was completely full. Right. So he hasn't even gotten to necessarily do that yet. So you're just thinking about guys like that and you know, our freshmen and, and the sophomores who they never got the conference play last year. And um, what I hope is that this will be a, a weekend where the fans bring a lot of energy, can be a difference maker, um, starts Thursday with the blackout game and, um, and looks like we're going to have great weather and, and um, just uh, it's shaping up to be a lot of fun. And we just want to make sure that uh, if you can get access to a ticket get to the hawk because these kids deserve it and uh, the fans deserve it too we might even see the vandy football team out there again potentially uh over the dugout that was really fun to see and and uh you know especially for the players to to get that kind of uh you know coverage especially with, with the team and, and clark lee and the guys so brooks this could have been i think two hours but thank you for your time and and, and again good luck this weekend it starts tonight with fiu and then a three-game set starting thursday night at home against kentucky Brooks, again, good luck the rest of the way. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to seeing you guys in Omaha. I really appreciate you having me on, Billy. So uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoon, and we'll talk to you soon. Well, that does it for Episode 85 of the Door Report. Huge thanks to Brooks Webb, the General Manager and Chief of Staff of Vanderbilt Baseball. It was an absolute pleasure being able to talk to him, especially on a game day. So definitely a must-listen podcast for every Vanderbilt fan in America. Thank you so much for tuning in. For myself, Billy Derrick, Will Byram in the first segment, and our special guest, Brooks Webb, you've been listening to episode 85 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors.